to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome indeed to another Flying Solo podcast. Today we're exploring the topic of finding and working your niche. Before we start, a big thank you to those who've been sending feedback recently. It's good to know you're enjoying these shows. And on that topic, don't forget, if you're listening via iTunes, we'd love you to post a brief review of the show as it helps us enormously. And of course, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this very show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Now, my guest today is Jared Robinson, a physical education teacher from country Victoria, who has a passion and enthusiasm for the role emerging technologies play within teaching and learning. As a PE professional, he's an advocate for lifelong movement and physical activity, but as an entrepreneur, he's making really innovative use of 21st century technologies to shape teaching methods and create a very nice little business. Hello, Jared. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. Look, thank you. for. I know you've had a, a busy day and I'm catching you at the end of your day. So thank you for, for sharing your time with us. So look, you're known throughout the online world as the PE geek. That's the name that you go <laughs> yeah, by. Absolutely. And uh, you're an author of a blog of the same name at thepegeek.com. I know you've presented nationally and internationally for the last sort of five or six years, I think. And you've been running workshops in over 30 countries. So You've clearly developed a rather impressive niche. Uh, and, and am I right in saying you're still a practicing PE teacher as well? Yes. Um, so, all I mean, I listen to that now and it's, it does sort of surprise me when you wrap it up like that. But, yeah, I still am a practicing teacher and I still am in the classroom like I was today and, and sort of putting putting the hard yards into the stuff that I then blog about it and sort of share with my audiences. That's fantastic. Perhaps we could start by just getting uh, getting a real snapshot of this current business. So trained as a physical, physical education teacher, you're practicing daily as a, as a physical education teacher, and yet you've developed this massive other kind of side business. Can you perhaps just give us a little window into your world? What does that business actually look like? Well, I mean, initially it started as a hobby. I was blogging for teachers and I had sort of realized in 2008 that there was really no one doing that. It was sort of pretty new and um, I was particularly interested in, in technology and the role that it had in the classroom and um, very much became the authority in that space and, um, you know, organically over time got a bigger following and a bigger following and, and that led to me doing workshops here or there in, in country Victoria and then eventually you get asked to go to Melbourne and you do something there and then eventually you're flying in a state and um, in 2011 I was asked to fly to China and do my first ever um, international um, sort of speaking engagement, training engagement and then from then on realized that I have an audience that is global and I'm sort of tapping into that and, and training teachers in person um, and sort of, yeah, doing online training for those teachers who can't make those uh, in-person events. And yeah, 
that's how it sort of progressed. There's just so many things I want to ask you. Firstly, did did you not get a little tap on you know from the Department of Education saying, "Hey, hang on a minute, you know, what are you doing here?" I mean, you've you're clearly building your your own uh, kind of parallel uh, education business here. Does it does it does it fly under the radar, or does anybody? They're sort of, aware of it. They actually okay. sort of have um, um, shown some light on it in many ways. And okay. I mean, I guess the the really interesting thing is, I've done more outside of my own state than I have, um, you know, even in my own state. So I've never actually ran a workshop in, in Victoria before. Um, everything else happens outside of that. So globally and, um, you know, outside of it, I have to sign some sort of, you know, conflict of interest type, you know, um, Waivers. Agreement, waivers, yeah, sure. you know, all that sort of stuff that you're not using department resources yeah, to, okay. to do that. Isn't but, that yeah. incredible? So you, you've not presented in your own state and yet you've presented in 30 other countries. We'll, we'll, we'll come back there in a little bit. So I'm, I'm intrigued. When you got starting, so here you were just someone clearly passionate about this whole area of physical, physical education. You must have put a lot of training and, and work into it to, to get the qualification that, whereby you can teach it. But... Um, you then started blogging, so literally just writing about it. And then what – do you remember the the first kind of call? Did somebody ring up and say, hey, Jared, can you just show me what you're talking about? I mean, when did you realize you got a business? Um, I mean, for the first for the first few jobs that I did, like, you know, workshop-type stuff, it was literally um, – there was no sort of monetary exchange. It was me helping and, and volunteering, and as part of that, I got – um, some perks, like I would get to attend a conference for free in exchange mm. for doing, uh, you know, one of the sessions myself. So I was saving saving money to our school on these particular events, and eventually it got to the point where, um, when I went to China in 2011, and um, you know they paid for the flights over, and we we got a small um, sort of um, payment for our services for sure. that period of time, and it was at that point when I made some connections internationally and, um, you know, it, it had been well received that I thought, well, hang on, there's, there's probably more to this. Mm, fantastic. And so currently then where you're, you're, work, you're doing your normal work day and then do you kind of come home and your, you, your, your other life starts? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you know, teachers are pretty busy. So mm. when I'm at school, it's like I'm in a, a different world and sort of, you know, dealing with the real things that happen in a classroom, kids issues and, and you know, other staff related stuff. And and when I get home, there's a, there's a bit of a shift that does happen. Um, I have a, a commute as well. And that commute definitely sort of helps that that real blend between yeah, the two okay. the two things it helps you move um, from one to the other it does but yeah. i mean a lot of this a lot of people talk to me and say how have, how have i been able to make it happen and a big part of it is is because of virtual staff and, and being able to access people who are uh, essentially doing the work that i can't do while i'm um you know doing my nine to five teaching mm. job okay they're they're doing stuff outside of that so if an individual approaches you from from wherever by the sounds what's the typical approach what are they actually coming to you asking for and how are you then sort of delivering that it comes in multiple different ways but a lot of it is for um guidance through the incorporation of technology into the learning environment so okay. at, at the moment it's really big mobile devices um, a lot of schools are investing big money in trying to have those working in their classrooms and and you know schools are forcing teachers to do that um, and a lot of the a lot of the 
you know, questions I get and the help I, you know, sort of help people with is how can we use this stuff that we've been given um, to empower learning to sort of not detract from the physical activity that we're, that we, you know, we want to provide for our students. And, okay. and, and that's, the, that's the heart of it really, training around that. Mm. And can people buy your – I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm thinking more of the actual model that you've got, and I'm thinking of our audience and people who may be able to – or they're not in the same industry as you very likely would be able to kind of translate it to their own industry. Do you deliver some of this sort of training via video? I mean, is it all live? Do you have to be there every time? Or what's, what sort of tools have you developed? Multiple facets. So okay. at the, the very basic level, there's, um, you know, there's the free sort of newsletter and the podcast that I do um, on a weekly basis. And I just launched my second podcast yesterday. <laughs> um, so that's the free approach. Um, then you step up from that and there's a series of e-courses that people can purchase that are sort of tutorial based and um, really sort of helping people focus around the common issues that, that I sort of get asked about. And then the next step up from that is a membership community that people okay. can pay to be part of uh, and we have over 800 members that are now inside of that 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 pay an annual sort of fee to get all of the um, resources included and, and even extra support and it includes um you know skype conversations with myself and and, and etc mm -hmm. and then beyond that um there's the workshops obviously in person and and i record everything and, and make that available to the people who attend them and then the sort of next level is um sort of one-on-one -on -one mentoring that um a lot of faculties will um sort of you know hire me for um when they can't make a workshop or if they you know need some more assistance in helping write curriculum units or sort of make it a little bit more structured fantastic so uh, again the, and those that one-on-one -on -one mentoring that's done virtually presumably yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it has been done in the past on sort of the off days where I might run a workshop at a school and then the very next day I might run an in-person with a couple of staff um, about that. But most of it gets done um, virtually and, you know, they get a multiple of Skype calls, they're all recorded, uh, they get access to support material and they get the memberships included. So it's a lot of bundled packages, mm. but ultimately they get access to me and, and they can sort of brainstorm and talk about whatever they like and I hold them accountable for it. Um, within the timeframes that we sort of set throughout the calls. Fantastic. And so who's, who is actually paying for the membership? Is it, is it the individual teacher who's putting their hand in their pocket or is it their employer? What, who finances the work? It's, it, it's a bit of both. I mean, okay. you'll have cases where a school will um, or a person will email me and say the school would like to um, pay for a particular teacher to be a member and they need to go down the lines of, you know, an invoice and purchase order right. and those things. And I'll, I'll do anything sure. to secure to secure that membership for someone, um, whereas a lot of it still happens via um, the online platform and, you know, it's a credit card or a PayPal transaction and I'm not right. quite sure what happens behind the scenes. Right. And it's not your um, concern, I guess. Yeah, but I know a lot of people have been paying for it in their own from their own bat because then yep. it's transferable perhaps between schools. So as they move um, mm. between a different school, they've still got their membership and they still get that extra training that the, the membership provides. Sure. So a lot of a lot of personal emails rather than ones that are specific to an organization. Mm. And I guess there must be so many people that are using that as their own uh, fairly unique means of professional development, which is adding to their resumes and their career opportunities, of course. So uh, Yeah, I mean, everything mm. that I do has... 
um, certificates that they can generate um, that are recognized and, you know, they apply for, you know, like I've got a couple of webinars that people can do and then they get the personalized certificate to say that they were in attendance and, and teachers love that. Of course, of course they do. Well, they're handing them out all the time. It's nice to, they be, do. Nice to be actually given them by somebody else. Um, <laughs> Okay, so look, fantastic. Now, clearly, this is you know you, you've um, you've mentioned the the kind of the breadth of of the services that you offer and the ways that you deliver it a few times. So clearly, you're somebody who is extremely comfortable with technology yourself, and one would imagine you might be. Um, you use a lot of uh, sort of virtual support people that you said, or not necessarily a lot, but you use virtual support people. Tell me, when you started all this, I mean, to a degree, it was sounds like it was a tiny little bit accidental, but kind of not really, in that you just started writing and then it kind of evolved. Um, to what extent did you have a vision and a plan, uh, or how much of it has just kind of happened? I mean, you, you mentioned the word accidental, and in many ways, the whole monetization aspect has been. Uh, in the early days, realizing that this was something that I had. And then once I'd realized that I put in more effort to sort of um, to make that, you know, concrete and, and sort of cement it. But um, yeah, I mean, the vision for me is how can I improve the use of technology in physical education? That's the vision. And right. it has ultimately been something that over time, more PE programs and more schools have started to adopt. And then all of a sudden they look over and there's a person who's been writing about that since 2008. Sure. And automatically that authority gets, you know, diverted to me. Whenever whenever someone talks about technology in PE, that's who they reference, that's who they go to. And, I mean, it started organically, but sort of around that 2011, I sort of made it a really clear case of how can I be the absolute best at this um, across, you know, all places, all mm. curriculums, all schools, and and it's been much more yeah planned since then. Fantastic. And tell me, uh, um, are you sticking just to schools? I mean, presumably the you, you don't have to squint your eyes too much to imagine you taking a similar position within the whole sort of personal trainer space, or do you just want to stay away from that? You want to keep just with schools, and if so, why? I guess I mean that's the role that is the the audience I serve and and it's the and there's no shortage of of schools and it's ever occurring there's lots of customers potentially um, but I I really like the fact of about blogging from my own experiences so lots of my posts and lots of my content is sort of positioned in that way okay. and I, I think it gives me this real level of um, authority and yeah. transparency and credibility and. Um, I know my workshops, I get to use the language, you know, this is something I did yesterday and I know that there's lots of crossover potentially, but maybe I wouldn't have that same level of connection. Yeah, a lot. And as you say, you're you're clearly having such a good time with the niche and it's a very big niche. I mean, it's it's funny sometimes when you think about niches, niches, people often think, oh, that's very small. I don't want to be that contained. But as you're talking about here, it's massive, you know, mm. and it's worldwide, which is extraordinary. Um, sorry, carry on. The, I mean, the other thing is... It, it's it's big, but it, it's also really small. So I'm talking about PE hmm. teachers who happen to have interest in technology. So um, that's ever growing. At the same time, it sort of proves that whole idea of you know if you go really targeted, then you can have lots of impact, and, and it can be a very viable business on its own, even really small niches. Yeah, that's good. That's a great point. It's big, but it's also small. I love that. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's very true. So um, are you also, am I right in saying that you've you started developing your own apps as well? And what's, where, does, where does that sort of fit into the whole program? 
so I mean that is the primary source of income. So oh, okay. um, ever you know workshops are really profitable. Everything else is, but you know building software and creating solutions for my audience of PE teachers has been where I've probably really that was in 2011 as well. Realized that there's a lot that can be potentially um, earned from a mm. niche down software company. And um, it's grown to the point where I have over 60 iPhone apps in the in the App Store at the moment, and 20 Android apps, and um, more recently have sort of started launching sophisticated web apps. And I have five of those that all serve the same vertical of, of teachers yep. and PA teachers, but they sort of do different things. Terrific. So the, the 60 iPhone apps, I mean, are, are they ones I'm presuming, uh, I, I mean, I, I haven't looked, so I'm just making an assumption here that these are not necessarily the sort of the 199. These are more specialist, aren't they? How are you sort of pricing these things? Uh, a lot. There's, there's some free in there, um, which are, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, they might have in-app purchases, that yep. type of arrangement. Um, a lot of them are 99 cents or 199. Wow. Uh, I have a couple of higher end one, which higher end, which are um, around the sort of nine and ten dollars ten dollar mark but most of them it's it's based on that whole logic of you get lots of volume um and you can imagine if you're a PE teacher and you're developing apps there's no one really else who's doing that no. so when someone goes to the, the store and they're a PE teacher and they search physical education of course it's they're you. bombarded with with mine so i get a lot of volume um, which means I can have the prices just that little bit lower. Yeah, fantastic. And those are so you're 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 now a, a or have been for a while. You're an app designer, an app developer. And how was that process? How did you? I mean, it's again. It sounds like when something when a, uh, an opportunity comes in front of you, you just dive headlong into it. And did you find that process ongoing need to be a, a pleasant process and a straightforward process? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a little bit of combination of right time, right place too. I mean, the iPhone had sort of just really sort of hit the scene as being something that people generally had access to. And, um, you know, I was teaching a senior a senior physical education class and I was producing a podcast for those students. And I was, I was thinking, you know, what sort of platform can I use to deliver this stuff? And the logical choice was to build an app for my class. Hmm. And that was the first app I ever built. I, I went and I pursued that and I, I taught myself how to do it with some online builders. Yep. And over the weekend, built an application which served the students in senior PE who were learning that particular subject. And it just so happened that there was, you know, six or 7,000 kids in the state of Victoria who also taught that, learnt that subject, I should say. So I immediately saw that once I released this app, there was so many potential downloads um, of this one free app that I'd made that it got me thinking about, oh, hang on, imagine if I made another useful app that was more useful and, you know, applied to a greater amount of people um, and I made that 99 cents. Um, would that translate into a, a potential um, income stream? And it has. It has, yeah. <laughs> Very nicely. And to what extent are they selling overseas or what's the sort of breakdown roughly of your sales of your apps? I've been pretty fortunate that um, a number of my apps have been downloaded um, well over a million times. Um, and I've had a number of award-winning apps as well. I've recently got Australian App of the Year for Education category in the Australian Design Awards last year. Um, actually beat a number of the department bodies um, who who had put in you know serious serious mobile applications for for big organizations um here in australia and i beat them being a, a you know a single single founder in a in a software company 
and um, a number of international awards as well for some of my, um, you know, more not just PE-specific apps but a little bit broader, just education-specific. Um, so it's been really good. It's, it's the, you know, as I said, the main source of income. But if you look at my workshops and my training, a lot of those are geared around teaching the apps that I have built myself okay. um, because ultimately they have been designed by a PE teacher for PE teachers. So when you, you talk there about how you kind of, you know, trounce the, uh, the government body with your own apps, which is terrific, do you put a lot of, do you put that down to, I mean, clearly a lot of it is, is just the fact that you understand this so well, but is some of it the agility of being such, uh, you know, being a solo business? Is that, is that beneficial to you to stay the size you are, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at a lot of com- 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 you know competitors that I have in some of these spaces, and the agile factor is enormous. Like, and people comment about that. You know, mm. I will release a product, and they will suggest a feature, and immediately that feature is sort of able to be introduced. Right, and you don't and hesitate. Sort of, You're just straight on it. That's no. It. I mean, oh, okay. I'll I'll communicate it to a to the developer and say, you know, this has been suggested, and, and it'll be out there that day, and mm. that's not a speed that which. Um, you know, bigger companies and so forth can sort of um, can go along with. No, of course. And your developers then, you're working with developers, again, sort of based all around the world, I'm guessing? Literally, yeah. I mean, I have worked with some developers in Australia for um, some of my web-specific stuff. But, yep. yeah, I mean, across across through Europe at the moment, um, quite a few developers there in, in Romania and in um, in the UK, which is which is quite amazing that you can have this whole diversity of mm. people that you're working with and, and talents global. I mean, just being able to access, that's pretty amazing. And do you find that just on that, and I mean, this could clearly be a, a whole new podcast of its own, but um, you hear various stories of people that have worked with overseas developers and the stories haven't always been rosy ones. Have you got to a point now that presumably you've got developers that you work well with, you've got structures in place where you know, you can literally say, I'd like this developed and kind of you go to bed and the next morning it's there. Is that is that the way that you have things running now? Yeah, that's how it, that's how it runs now. But I mean, my first ever um, mobile app that I made cost me personally $500 to build. And I assumed a lot for that $500. Right. I assumed that they understood the vision in my head. I assumed that it would translate into a successful product and it didn't. So, I mean, that, that might scare a lot of people off, um, mm. you know, that very first... Um, you know, exchange of building software, but um, I was pretty, pretty um, motivated to make it work, and eventually found people that worked well and and stuck with them, and have been fortunate that they've actually become really good friends of mine as well. And um, mm. you know, have I've met a couple of people um, right. in my travels, and um, and sort of got into a relationship where you know they will they will you know do work for me in in sort of favor of payment um which comes a little later and that works both ways and mm. i mean i don't advise that straight away no. but, um, but look it's, it's all got, about relationship it's got to that building. point yes and that's and that's yeah, the thing absolutely. i think is that it's it's getting that whether the whether somebody's working with you overseas or you know the building next door it's largely the same kind of issues but it's it can often be exaggerated and i guess there's a lot of people that just leap into things without take, doing sort of any kind of due diligence or research but you've clearly through a little bit of um of your own research and not everything's been successful by the sounds of it you know you've got the right team what what have been some of the the biggest challenges you've had i mean your business is still relatively young uh, and you're clearly you've got a long way to go as well in terms mm-hmm. of your age so what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had what are the things that that um that you kind of re- stand out since you started I guess um, assuming that 
things are a certain way for um, your audience. And I mean, I've been sort of headstrong on building something or producing something or writing something before I've actually realized that it's a need in that audience. And that's led me down the path to, you know, invest a lot of money and finances and time without sort of validating it prior. I guess that's okay. been something that I made a lot of mistakes with early. Um, I mean, there's all, there's all, when you start getting into this world of software development, there's the whole support factor. You've got to keep that, you know, you've got to support people through the products. It's not just a one-time yep. sort of thing. You've got to, you've got to continually help them. And, and sort of initially that was all done via myself, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> which was a big mistake. So eventually, you know, another a big, big issue A was, big mistake, but also to some extent, perhaps you needed to do a little bit of that because then you know exactly what it is you have to outsource and change. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. part of the yeah. process. Yeah. I mean, I realized I wasn't very good at it. I, it would take everything really sort of personally when there was an issue. Hmm. Um, and then sort of, you know, eventually got to the point where I, I did realize what my my strengths were and what my, my weaknesses were and, and then started to find people to fill those weaknesses um, so that, you know, we have a better front, you know, communication with our business um, in the support wise and ultimately that's led to impact elsewhere. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I wonder if you could just give us a bit of a snapshot because I, I, I've, I've heard, I know you met um, Kelly, our editor, on a, on a, at a conference recently and she was talking to me a little bit about how you run some of your overseas workshops. So could you just share that a little snapshot of that with us? So you you run them fairly re- well. Obviously, you, I'm guessing you run them pretty well every school holidays, by the sound of it. Yeah, absolutely. How do you do those then? How do you actually run those? And how important are those face to face kind of events to your business or, or to you as an individual? I think I mean the face to face stuff is the most important thing I do. Um, that's where I I think. I end up with um, people who are not just sort of fans and followers, but people who are actually really interested in purchasing everything that I make and, and so forth. And, mm. and, and the way I sort of um, make those happen is I look throughout my calendar and I find the holiday periods and I start to plan and map where I might like to go um, on holidays. And that's, okay. that's a big part of it. So, you so know, the, dri- recent- the driver is where you, Jared Robinson, want to go as opposed to necessarily where the audience is. Both, yeah, it, it happens both ways, but okay. a big part of it, um, you know, is, you know, I'd like to go and visit this place. Okay, I know that there's people in my audience who um, open up all my emails, oh, okay. who live in that particular place, and I literally, you know, I will send them an email and, and usually we've had conversation before and, and that's why I try and respond to everything as fast as I can and um, put in as much effort in those conversations and relationships as I personally can and um, they always come back you know, in spades, because when I ask these questions of, you know, I'm looking for a host venue um, to run a workshop in. And right. as part of that, your PE teachers, your staff, they get to attend for free. Beautiful. And I would just need a room for 30 people that can, you know, that can, um, we can have throughout the day. And they always jump at that. Like, I mean, they get access to someone who has gone around and presented at so many countries and, you know, et cetera. And, and then they get to attend it for free and their school, their school looks good in the, you know, they get to have a world leading event in the, in their school. And, um, and then from there I go out and, and promote it and blog about it and drive traffic towards the, the sales page. And then the rest is history. What a, what a fantastic model. So that's just so brilliant. So, 
literally you will you will say to one of these teachers in wherever it is you know i'm coming over would you can you help with hosting and invariably it ends up in their school which must yeah. be great for them to go to the head of their school and say hey guess what international person coming over here oh, that's just fantastic what a great yeah. model yeah i mean and i sent one yesterday and, and the subject line is always the same it's the pe geek in whatever the city is question mark mm. yeah and i mean it's 100 percent open that's always gets opened up that particular email and um yeah the conversation goes from there and i mean 90 percent of those sort of land as an actual yeah we're you know we're absolutely interested in hosting that because they get the benefit of the the free workshop attendance sure. um we get a free venue, so in terms of like booking a space and paying for it, we don't yep. ever and an, orga- an organizer on the ground prepared. Get an organizer on the ground yeah. who we then wrap up and we you know publicly acknowledge um, on the day, and then we communicate to their leaders um, at their school with a thank mm. you letter and and make a big deal out of that because that's really important. Um, and then we also usually supply some software and some stuff to the school as well, and um, they people just eat it up. So we end up getting. You know, now it's the other way. People asking us, can you run an event at our school? And they usually follow on from hearing about how we sort of helped, yeah, at a previous place. But you say, no, actually, I've been to Brazil. I don't need to go there again. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrific. So, um, and do you do you run those events as well as um, as sort of as directly profit? Uh, creating events or is it is it more that you cover all your costs and you know it will lead on to other things um they're they're highly profitable events as well so i try and i mean sometimes less so than others i mean if you go to a specific place and you only get 15 people and you know i fill out at 35 people as that's the actual the complete max yeah um so you've always got that little bit of a gamble there about how much you're going to make and um you know you want to try and make sure that you fill it up. I've never cancelled it before. They always tend to sort of get a, a nice enough number, and yep. I'll try and maximise the amount of op workshops I run in a specific time, um, all in one hit, so that you know the travel sort of um, is only a one-time travel rather than you know over to Vietnam and back in a weekend like I usually do. Sure. Um, try and yeah, bulk a few together. Lovely. So I'm just I'm intrigued. I'm you know, and I realise that the uh, image I'm about to um, suggest is 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 um, set in the probably early 70s, which is nothing like what it is today. But I'm just imagining a kind of a staff room, you know, where there's members of staff in there having their nice cups of um, Darjeeling or whatever they are, and they're talking about <laughs> nuclear physics and Shakespeare's early works, and then you roll in. What do they make of you? What do what do your colleagues make of you? Yeah, oh, it's funny. The other day, um, I don't know how it came up, but they they were referencing Batman and the whole bat signal thing uh, <laughs> to do with, um, you know, I'm always solving technology problems in our school. And, I mean, I they know a, a little bit about the sort of side stuff that I do, right. um, some of the closer people that I work with. But, yeah, they, I mean, they some of them think it's amazing others don't know much at all um but yeah most of my my friends and and family and so forth think it's you know a little bit a little bit exciting and um and for me it's just i just love it i seriously love being in schools and being able to see the impact that that when they go back to their school they they they're having so um yeah i mean (laughs) some people don't even know um, no, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just imagining being you. I imagine that sometimes when somebody says, "What do you do?" It's much easier just to go, oh, "I'm a PE teacher." Exactly. You know? That's when I do that because, 
you know, I don't even know where to start sometimes no, with, with explaining um, what else I'm doing. And, and that was part of the reason why I really enjoyed the, the recent Tropical Think Tank event and yep. just being able to talk with people who, who get who that, understand, you. understand what you're talking about. And, yes. um, you know, so a lot of times now I've, I've been saying that, you know, I'm a blogger and uh, I teach PE. That's, mm. yeah, <laughs> that's okay. pretty much where it started. But, yeah, it's changed over the years. Yeah, and I get what you're saying about the, uh, the importance of you being a, a practicing PE teacher and you can say, hey, I did this yesterday, as you said. But realistically, how long – I mean, don't worry, your employer's not listening. How <laughs> Realistically, how much longer are you going to be able to juggle both of these uh, sort of aspects? So uh, it's funny you say that because I have five weeks left um, – and then I'm on six months leave, and that's oh. to that's to go away and do a six month world tour, and, and I have 15 countries so, like sort of all positioned together. Um, I haven't been to Europe, so that's the whole sort of premise behind hmm. um, this six months. It's like you know, do a workshop, do one or two a week, and then move on to a new country and do the same thing. So doing that for six months, and then after that, it's it's sort of known that I'll be back for 2016. But that may not happen. I'm, yeah, you know, okay. I, I, I sort of might realize that there's so much more, and I've got, I've got lots of ideas about how I'd like to sort of expand it and sort of make it a little bit bigger, and um, sort of so that it's not just all me at, sure. at times, um, so that I don't have to maybe work as as many hours as I currently would, because travel is pretty killing. Like it sounds nice, course, to be, yes. but that that really does tire me out. Mm. Well, at least traveling traveling throughout Europe, you know, your flights are little hops, but plenty of time, exactly. plenty of time to sit in airports and. And contemplate your future. You never know. You might land back in uh, at Melbourne and just throw all your electronics in a bin and go, you know what, I'm just going to go and be a standard old PE teacher. But I don't think so somehow. <laughs> I don't think so. No, look, finally, thank, I'd, I'd like to wrap up by, by just asking you. We ha I have a list of uh, 20 questions in front of me. I'm not going to ask you all of them, don't worry. Um, you don't know what they are, but I do. Could you just give me a number between 1 and 20? And I'm just going to close up with asking you whatever question you choose. 13. 13. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever been given? Oh, wow. Um, I love the whole idea of, of thinking bigger, thinking bigger about um, potential ways that you can solve problems for your audience and making the, the solving of that problem the absolute priority. People before profit, basically. Um, and whenever I've done that, I feel like there's always been a better outcome because of it and when I've gone down the other avenue of, of seeing how you know potentially much money this particular venture could make it's always been yeah. less of an impact very good people before profit think bigger mm. fantastic look Jared Robinson thank you very much I feel very fortunate that we've caught you as, as obviously in a few weeks time you won't be here you'll be swanning around Europe for six months <laughs> uh, it's been fascinating to hear your story really appreciate it so People listening who'd like to find out more about Jared, just head along to thepegeek.com. Any other locations we should direct people to? Uh, I mean, I blog about my um, entrepreneurial journey at theteacherpreneur.com as well. Okay, theteacherpreneur.com or thepegeek.com. Do bear in mind that uh, Jared will be overseas for the next six months, so um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll still respond very rapidly, but maybe not as rapidly. But uh, Jared, again, thank you very much for sharing your time with uh, the flying solo community and uh, particularly giving up this evening. And no doubt you've got a million emails from all around the world to respond to now. <laughs> thanks, Robert. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank um, you. Yeah, more than happy to, to help you out. Thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. 
If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.